Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today we have headlines from the End Times, and we are continuing our conversation with Jim Fletcher about how to enjoy the End Times. We're just two weeks away from our next in-person conference. This is going to be a big one, featuring 11 speakers over two full days. Friday and Saturday, March 25th and 26th in Tri-Cities, Tennessee. At this conference, you'll learn the real history of socialism from historian Bill Federer. What's next in Bible prophecy from Dr. Rob Lindstead. You'll hear a powerful story of redemption from Kamal Salim. And hear the latest findings of biblical archaeology, as well as much, much more. Get all the details by visiting the events page of our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. And click on Events. The Tri-Cities, Tennessee Mega Conference, March 25th and 26th. Registration is free, but seating is filling up fast, so be sure and register today. swrc.com or call 1-800-652-1144. And be sure to visit our online resource center today, swrc.com. swrc.com has over 900 items designed to bring clarity to the chaos and to help you make sense of the world around you. Books and DVDs by the nation's leading teachers and scholars, Douglas Petrovich, Jim Fletcher, Tom Horn, Bill Federer, Billy Crone, J.R. Church, and many, many others. Get these resources for you and for your church. SWRC.com. That's SWRC.com. In his book, It's the End of the World, author Jim Fletcher is encouraging us. Today, he continues to show how relevant and true the Bible really is and how to stop worrying and learn to love these end times. One of my mentors in the ministry was Dr. Fred Hambrick. Years ago, Dr. Hambrick said to me that one of the greatest proofs that the Bible is true was the phone book. I remember giving him a confused look and saying that I didn't understand what he was talking about. He said the phone book is full of Jewish names like Goldberg, Abrams, Levy, Cohen, Bernstein, and Roth. He said just the fact that there are Jews alive today is proof that God is real and the Bible is true. Joining me once again to talk about the Jewish people is Jim Fletcher. Jim is an author and speaker specializing in Bible prophecy, Christian apologetics, and Israel. He's a member of the Executive Committee for the National Christian Leadership Conference for Israel, and he is also the Director of Prophecy Matters, a ministry focused on Bible prophecy. He's the author of a book that we're focusing on titled, It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine. And Jim, I'm glad to have you back on the program. Welcome back today. Thanks. It's great to be with you. Well, let's get right to the book, It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine. I love that title. Where did you come up with the title? Well, as a matter of fact, the publisher and and an editor called me one day and she said, we would like to do a Bible prophecy book, but could you write it in the style of Blue Light Jazz, which at mm. the time was a really hot book, more of a conversational thing. And I said, well, I'll try my hand at it. And so in the initial writing of the book, you know, I thought of the, <laughs> the R.E.M. song. Right. And it kind of came out of that. 
so that's kind of where it started, and it was meant to be kind of a different sort of prophecy book. I mean, even though I'm dispensationalist and pre-trib and that sort of thing, this particular book is really written for a person who has no experience with anything like that. You write in the book that you come to believe that the greatest proof that God exists and that the Bible is true is the Jewish people. Would you unpack that statement? As a matter of fact, an entree into this, I was saved under the ministry of Fred Hamburg that you mentioned, Valley View Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. And, oh, and so praise Jesus. He, he was a great guy, and that thing he said about the phone book is really true. And, and so this is my segue into your question. The novelist, Walker Percy, kind of said the same thing. And his quote was that he can walk down the street in New York City and meet a lot of Jews, but he never meets a Hittite. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah, no it, you know, it's the presence of the Jews in our world today, especially as a sovereign nation, is absolutely the most astonishing fulfillment of prophecy of all time, I think. For the Jews to come back to their ancestral land and be a nation again is exactly what God said they would do many, many times in the Bible, and here we are. Well, you write that out of all the Bible's prophecies, the most amazing ones are centered on the nation of Israel, and you cite specifically the Passover as one of those prophecies. Would you elaborate on that a little bit? In the story in, there in Exodus of the, the Passover, as the Israelites are getting ready to leave Egypt, their last night, they have a special meal, and the meal comes about because it's kind of a, for lack of a better term, quick recipe. They don't have to spend a lot of time cooking it. And so God tells them that in order to commemorate this event, so that you'll remember it, every year from now on, you will observe this night. And so it became the Passover, and once when I read that, I think it was 93% of Jews worldwide, whether they're religious or secular, and I think most of them are secular, they still stop what they're doing and observe Passover. Mm -hmm. And that alone should give a person chills. You know, a conversation for another time, but I had an opportunity once to ask that very question of John Shelby Spong, who was an apostate Episcopal bishop, who loved to mock Bible prophecy, but that question stumped him. And that's really instructive for any of us. You don't have to have a Ph.D. to defend the Bible, defend Scripture. And so anyway, that particular prophecy, 3,700 years on, they're still doing it. That's just incredible. Let's talk about Ezekiel 44 for a minute. And that states that the gate facing the Mount of Olives will be sealed in, in that particular chapter of Ezekiel, and that only the Messiah will enter it. So tell me about the Muslim sultan who had the gate sealed and what happened concerning that gate in the 1967 Six-Day War. It goes by a couple of names, Golden Gate or Eastern Gate, but it's the really visible one there facing the Mount of Olives. Right. So probably, I guess, four or five hundred years ago, the Muslim sultan there in Jerusalem heard these prophecies from Jews that the Messiah would one day come through that gate. So he thought, well, to hedge my bets, I'll just have it bricked up. You know? And so they had it walled up, which shows you how feeble the human mind is, that they could keep 
the Messiah out <laughs> right, by in that way. Him, yeah. They also created a Muslim cemetery in front of it because the feeling was that he would not defile himself by walking through a cemetery. And yet, that is where Jesus will come through when he returns. And an interesting note is, if you can visit the area, and you're on the Temple Mount, and you walk over to that area, they have built a series of steps that once you enter through the gate... You walk up the steps and you're in the area of where the temple would be. And so they've really made the way for him. And in any event, when you look at that double-arched, sealed gate, you're reminded that that prophecy was fulfilled. And so in the Six-Day War, the Israeli paratroop brigade that was tasked with liberating the Temple Mount, the shortest route was, of course, they were coming from the Mount of Olives, the shortest route is to go through that gate. And so they had a demolitions team there ready to blow it. And a rabbi came running up screaming, and he said, no, 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 only the Messiah can go through that gate. And so they actually, this is incredible, they actually stopped and fought their way around the other side of the city and entered Lion's Gate so that they'd preserve the Golden Gate for the entrance of the Messiah at some point. Amazing story. Well, if you're just tuning in today, my guest is Jim Fletcher, who is an expert on all things Israel, and we're offering two of his books on the subject. It's The End of the World as We Know It, and I Feel Fine, and The Last War. You can get both books now by calling 1-800-652-1144 or go to swrc.com. Jim, on a previous program, I asked you about the term Palestine. And I want to ask you about that again. Isn't it true that the Romans came up with the term Palestine and that historically there's never been such thing as a Palestinian state? That is absolutely correct. And in fact, it's something that stumps a lot of pro-Palestinian activists, especially the ones in the church, when they hear it. Now, the Romans did in fact rename the area from Judea because they wanted to erase Jewish history. They so hated the Jews after they put down the last rebellion in the second century that they renamed the area Palestina. And so it was the regional name, of course, for 1900 years. But over time, and especially Palestinian propaganda today, has planted a seed in people's minds that the Jews came in 1948 and fought the Arabs and stole their country. That's not the case at all. Palestine was never a sovereign nation, never had borders, never a member of the UN, never had a standing army, any of those things. And in fact, if you look at some of the attempts by the Palestinian Authority to create a history along those lines, it's pretty pathetic. The fact is, Palestine was simply a regional name, and it was really a kind of a backwater until the Jews returned and, and began to reclaim the land and, and it flourished again. But yes, Palestine has never existed as a country. Well, isn't there already a Palestinian state? Didn't the British give land that was promised to Israel to make Jordan? Oh, they did. And there again, another little-known fact today, but if you look at an older map from the what they call the British Mandate, which would have been World War I to World War II, Palestine originally was going to be all of what is today Israel, but also the country of Jordan. 
And in the decades before World War II, interest in England waned in giving all of it to the Jews, so they carved it up. And it's probably something like 60% of that land went to the Arabs to create Transjordan, and the Jews were left with the sliver that they have today. You know, Jim, probably the most famous chapter in the book of Ezekiel is Ezekiel 37, the Valley of the Dry Bones chapter. And you write in the book about a conversation that you had about the dry bones living again with commentator Yaakov Kirchin. Would you share that story? Kirchin is, of course, the cartoonist and political commentator there in Israel, and it was during that first trip with David Lewis. We had dinner one evening in Tel Aviv with Kirchin, and you know, a fascinating guy, uh, not exactly religious, and certainly not in the way that we are. However, he was absolutely fascinated by the subject of Bible prophecy because he recognized that you can't refute it. And so he said that he would often, at dinner parties and things like that, he would bring up the subject of Ezekiel 37, of how the Jews would come back and they would become once again a sovereign nation. And he said it really always caused a lot of consternation for people, especially those who did not want to be religious. And he said the fact that fulfilled prophecy basically proves the existence of God would make a lot of people angry. And so that was an interesting thing. And Kirshen was up on the prophecies. He knew them in and out, and he said... I talk to people about this stuff, and I think that it's going to cause them to say, oh, wow, God is real, and, and I need to be a person of faith. But he said a lot of times it's the opposite, and they just get angry by the fact that he really is real, which, again, is found throughout Scripture in itself. But, yeah, Kirshen is an interesting guy, and that was a really interesting conversation. Well, isn't it true that the scoffers that he was referring to and that you refer to in the book who deny Bible prophecy are confirming the very passages that they deny? I'm thinking particularly of Second Peter 3, verses 3 and 4. Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing about that particular passage is it specifically says that the scoffers will first attack the idea of the creation accounts in Genesis. And once they do that, then they move on to attacking the prophecies concerning the return of Jesus. And that's exactly what they do today. The irony is lost on them. I think a lot of them aren't aware of that prophecy, but I actually had a conversation once with Brian McLaren, who is one of these guys, I would consider him apostate in the church, but he's a popular speaker. And I pointed that out to him, and I said, you know, you mock the idea of the return of the Lord, do you not find yourself in that prophecy in Second Peter? And he just, he was dismissive and he laughed, but I thought it was pretty incredible that he himself was fulfilling that, and so many of them do. You dedicate the book, It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine, to Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Netanyahu. Now, for those who are not familiar with him, who was Jonathan Netanyahu, and what happened in 1976 at Entebbe? The Entebbe hostage rescue is one that I think of it as a modern Bible story because the Israelis undertook a daring mission to Africa to rescue some hostages taken in a, an airline hijacking by the PLO. And Netanyahu was the oldest brother of Benjamin Netanyahu. There are three brothers. 
he was the only Israeli soldier killed on the raid. But if you read the story, it's so astonishing. You cannot come away with that and not at least entertain the idea that God was with them that night. So many things had to go right. I actually interviewed a couple of the paratroopers that went, and they confirmed that. They said, you know, we had to have a hundred things go right, and if one had gone wrong, it would have all been a disaster. But it was the most successful hostage rescue, I guess, of all time. And so I began to think of it in that way, and I include it in the book because we look at Old Testament prophecies and New Testament prophecies, and we see the provision that God made for his people. But he didn't stop when the Bible was finished, when Scripture was set down. It continues to today. And you can talk to a lot of Israeli military people, and especially in a private conversation, they may not be believers themselves, but they have an awareness that something is watching over them. In fact, Ariel Sharon said that in his autobiography. He said, there's something that keeps this nation. And so the Entebbe story, I actually use it sometimes in talks in churches to illustrate that fact that God is still taking care of his people. His enemies always go down to defeat. The book is called It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine, How to Stop Worrying and Learn to Love These End Times. The author is Jim Fletcher. Jim, I appreciate you taking the time to be on with me again. Thanks, James. I enjoyed it. Get the complete two-day presentation on Enjoying the End Times with Jim Fletcher on CD when you call toll-free 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. We also have Jim Fletcher's two-book collection, The Last War and It's the End of the World. Now, both books are available for a gift of $20 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order anytime online. Simply visit swrc.com. Watchman on the Wall is here to bring clarity to the chaos and to encourage us each day. Some of the ways we do that is with our free e-newsletter entitled, A Moment of Prophecy. Timely articles and messages of hope and encouragement delivered to your inbox. Sign up today to start getting a Moment of Prophecy e-newsletter. Visit swrc.com or simply call 1-800-652-1144. Now let's turn our attention to the headlines from the end times with our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino and staff evangelist, James Collins. Welcome to Headlines from the End Times. In the days of the Old Testament prophets, God said to appoint a man to stand guard on the wall. The watchman would scan the horizon for signs of danger. When an enemy was spotted making advances on the city, the watchman would sound the alarm. Each day we see more and more signs that point to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we seek to make sense of the nonsense and sound the alarm of the truth of Bible prophecy in current events. Our first story comes to us from Washington, D.C., where Vice President Kamala Harris recently stirred up unfounded fears about abortion, claiming, quote, women will die, close quote, 
if the United States Supreme Court overturns or even weakens Roe v. Wade. Harris repeated her claim in several interviews saying, quote, I don't mean to sound alarmist, I mean this, women will die, close quote. She repeated the claim again and again, calling it a fact. Actually, James, it's not a fact. The fact is, the problem has never been that women are dying, but since 1973, there have been 63 million babies butchered in the womb. The fact is, that is the real problem. Our next story is also a story concerning the issue of abortion, and it comes to us from Texas, where the Satanic Temple is suing the state over the Texas heartbeat bill. The Texas heartbeat bill bans most abortions in the state after six weeks gestation. However, the bill is now under attack from the Satanic Temple, which argues that the law infringes on the group's religious freedom by imposing an undue burden on its, quote, satanic abortion ritual, close quote. Well, I agree with the satanic temple on one thing. They told the truth when they said that abortion is satanic. Since Roe v. Wade became law, the United States has sacrificed over 63 million precious little children on the altar of Satan. God help us to end this demonic practice. We go to Nigeria for our next story where armed bandits have kidnapped more than 60 worshipers during a church service and shot one Christian dead. The gunmen stormed the Emmanuel Baptist Church in the southern Nigerian state of Kaduna. The gunmen are believed to be Islamic militants who often kidnap Christians and force them to convert to Islam. This kidnapping is just another example of the persecution of Christians in Nigeria. Terrorists, such as Boko Haram, are motivated to kidnap males and brainwash them to become Islamic jihadists. They kidnap females and use them as sex slaves. Join us as we pray for the release of these Christians and for the end of the evil of radical Islam. Our next story comes to us from Virginia, where a parent advocacy group is slamming the largest school district in the state, for administering a survey to public school children that asked them questions about sex. Fairfax County Public Schools, located just outside of Washington, D.C., allowed students in the 8th, 10th, and 12th grades to participate in a survey which probed the minors about their sex lives and gender identities. While the school district has defended the survey, parents contend that the questions are irrelevant to the school district's educational mission. Well, the details of the questions are so graphic that we will not repeat them here. Friends, this is just another reason why we believe your students should be pulled out of these corrupt indoctrination institutions and be placed in a Christian school or home school. In other news, it was recently reported that the Episcopal Church lost over 61,000 members in 2020 and saw a sharp decline in attendance even before the pandemic lockdowns occurred. According to data released by the denomination, Sunday attendance is now at an all-time low of 400,000. The denomination also saw children's baptisms drop from 19,716 to 7,286, down 67%, while adult baptisms dropped from 3,866 to 1,649, down 57%. The increasingly liberal direction of the Episcopal Church has prompted a considerable number of conservatives to leave the denomination. 
The liberal Episcopal Church has crippled itself by its woke embrace of just about everything in recent years. We report this story as a reminder that decisions do have consequences. The death knell of the Episcopal Church is anticipated, but let there be no doubt that the same decline and the same death can come to any church anywhere if they don't take care to keep biblical values and stay focused on Jesus Christ. Our final story comes from New York and is torn right out of the book of Revelation. A giant international peace and security statue was recently installed outside of the United Nations headquarters, and it's being likened to an end times beast described in Revelation 13:2. The statue resembled a rainbow-colored leopard with wings. The statue caused such an uproar among Christians who viewed it as a representation of the beast described in the book of Revelation that it was removed from the United Nations Visitors Plaza. The Apostle John described a similar beast in Revelation 13:2, which reads, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Also, the prophet Daniel described a similar beast as being like a lion with eagle's wings. It is ironic that this is the statue which the UN chose to represent international peace and security. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.3, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. The Bible says that at the end of this age, unbelievers will ask for peace and safety, but we as Christians know there will be no peace and safety until the Lord returns to rule the earth from David's throne. That will wrap up this edition of Headlines from the End Times. For Dr. Larry Spargimino, this is James Collins, leaving you with the words of the Apostle Paul, who said in Ephesians 5, 15, and 16, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Our featured resources today are Jim Fletcher's two-book collection, The Last War, and It's the End of the World. Both books are available for a gift of $20 or more when you call our toll-free number 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can always order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. As we close out another week together, please continue to pray with us as we move even closer to our goal of a new, updated recording studio. Your financial help is needed, my friends. Would you please support this project with your gift today? Please call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can give your gift online simply visit swrc.com. Thank you, my friends, for your support of our Studio 50 project and our new updated recording studio. All of us at Watchmen on the Wall hope you and your family have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support. And remember, God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Lord willing, we'll be right here Monday, ready through Christ to bring clarity to the chaos. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. 
Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. Thank you.